You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema there it is uh the roast beef line that will live forever in infamy for so many people uh probably not <laughs> probably not for other people as much as it will live with us forever um i don't know if i'll ever change that i don't know if that's ever going to happen nope. it's too it's too perfect it's too <laughs> it's too it's it's our uh you talking to me you know what i'm saying um sure is all right, so this week we are back, Will and I, and we brought along a couple of guests again. We just couldn't get enough of these guys, and uh, we invited them right back. You heard us at the end of the last week's show. We're coming back. The Not A Bomb guys, Troy and Brad, they're back. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, guys. We're excited to talk more ninja movies <laughs> and nerd out again. I'm here, I'm here only for the Black Eagle. That's right. <laughs> right. I was promised Black Eagle this time, so. <laughs> yes. Um so this week we're going to talk about the sequel to Enter the Ninja, uh, and that would be Revenge of the Ninja, uh, a sequel in spirit only, probably. Spirit. Yeah, <laughs> um, but an interesting one because of that. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about, and that's from eighty. Was it three? Eighty three? Yeah, I want to say that. Yeah. Yes, 83. the illustrious year of nineteen eighty three. Yeah. So I did. I saw this one in the movie theater. So I, I did see this one in the theater. My parents took me. It's like, Mom, Dad, you got to take me. My brother was seven, so he saw it at seven years old. And uh, wow, you know, it's just amazing. They didn't uh, cover your eyes during the hot tub scene. They didn't. They didn't. They. they I, I remember them snickering during the hot tub scene. I remember thinking, that's kind of weird. Why are they snickering at this woman's peril? You know, I didn't know what the word. I probably didn't use the word peril. I wasn't that fancy. Her peril, but. <laughs> I was thinking, why are they laughing at that? And then now I am here. I am forty, going on forty nine this weekend, and I'm thinking, yeah, I get it now. I get it. Duh, you know, torture by jacuzzi, not the most practical, not the most practical thing, way to go. Hey, they need a crowbar to get them apart, right? That, yeah. I just remember that as a kid. Like I remember cracking up because I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of jacuzzi, a lot of eighties jacuzzi stuff in this. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. A lot of. Uh, 
cesspools, as I like to call them. Um, anyway, uh, we, we are opening this week. Just last night, uh, word came across the interwebs. The internet is still good for some things. But word came across the internet that Jimmy Wang Yu had passed away uh, at the age of 80, I think. 80-something, maybe. 80 or 79, right yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, right there. Uh, Will and I, you guys haven't heard this yet. Will and I did actually review his Chinese boxer film. We'll, we'll put that out. We'll probably put that out pretty soon. Since, Why don't uh, we? Yeah, uh, since uh, the passing of Jimmy. But I just kind of wanted to mention it because, you know, we like to mention the Titans for us here on the show. Now, everybody, don't get me wrong. Everybody's important. That that's that that's not what I'm trying to say, but people like Jimmy Wang, you you know, obviously we weren't doing the podcast when Charles Bronson. Well, we were doing the podcast when Charles Bronson was alive. We've been around since 1977. It's right there in the advertisement at the beginning of the show. But right. uh, a lot of people those those episodes are lost. You know, we we were the very first podcast. Um, <laughs> a lot of these these generational talents, uh, whether you like them or not, I feel like they should get an honorable mention at least. And we try to cover a film or we try to do something, but. I just kind of want to round robin this uh, real quick with you guys. Um, I don't care who starts. Uh, I'll defer to the guest. I'll kick it over to Brad first or Troy, whichever one of you guys want to go first. Uh, thoughts on Jimmy Wang Yu? Where's he set kind of in your, uh, not in your pantheon, so to speak, but kind of, you know, how do you guys feel about Jimmy Wang Yu? I'll start off, and I know Sammy, you and I have talked about this, but Master of Flying Guillotine's probably one of my favorite Kung Fu films. It's obviously not his best, but it is crazy. And it's like tournament films for me. It's like Enter the Dragon, Bloodsport, Master Flying Guillotine up there. Uh, Mortal Kombat as well. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, Mortal Kombat, that one. Um, but no, Jimmy is is one of those guys that for the longest time, I, I didn't realize he had two arms, to be honest with you. I was yeah. like, oh, he actually does have two arms. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was his stick for the longest time. Um you know, obviously he's not like the best, but he's very important and important in my childhood. Um, I remember, I don't, I can't remember what station it was locally, but you know, you would get a Hong Kong film at some point in time on a Saturday. And, you know, here I am nine years old watching this stuff. I'm like, this is some of the best TV I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and a lot of that stuff ended up being, stuff that you know jimmy was a part of so um yeah i'm, I'm gonna miss uh him but luckily you know he could live on forever through his contributions to kung fu cinema yes exactly troy uh i i gotta say i, I think jimmy wang Yu is is super important for me particularly because without him jackie chan would still be stuck making movies with low way um, and I, I don't think people realize how much of an influence this guy had on Hong Kong cinema and, you know, especially getting Hong Kong cinema over into the United States, you know, a Chinese boxer specifically, but if you, you take a step back and you look at his work and I mean, I actually think a lot of his work's a lot of fun. Um, he's also kind of branched out and done things like the man from Hong Kong. I mean, he's in a Zatoichi film for goodness sakes. And, uh, he is as as much as he puts out some interesting movies, he has a lot of interesting stories behind the scenes. I mean, the whole idea of Island of Fire or the prisoner of him getting Jackie Chan and Samuel Hung involved in that and triads and everything else might have like influenced. I mean, there is there are as many good 
juicy Jimmy Wang Yu stories, behind the scenes stories, as there are Jimmy Wang Yu films. And and say what you want about the guy. I mean, he's he's actually worked with the greats. I mean, he had a bit part in um, the Donnie Yen film Dragon. Oh yeah, that's so right. I think, yeah, a, a lot of people recognize him as you know, uh, I, I would say one of the Godfather types because we we wouldn't have the kung fu movie that we have today without his contributions. So uh, I, I don't think he's a second tier, third tier, or anything. I, I think he's in the pantheon in in in, in terms of his product. And also what he did in terms of his interaction with his fellow co-stars and, and all those stories and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Will, what do you got on uh, old Jimmy Wang you? So, yeah, as I had sort of said at the end of last week's episode, I feel like both, all three of you brought up great points. Uh, I don't think emotionally Jimmy Wang you is in my Mount Rushmore, but I think if I step back and look at his, his contributions, not only to the genre, but the mobility of actors um, within film in uh, in China, Hong Kong, um, and just his, as I'd said off the air too, just to sort of be like the Jerry Lewis of Kung Fu films in that he had a very clear vision of what he wanted to see in front of the camera, so he stepped behind the camera and made that happen. Um his influence cannot be overstated. Like you said, you know, when we, when I think if you ask anyone who's a, even a casual fan of Kung Fu films, okay, who are the first two names that come up? Jackie and Bruce. And he's had a hand in both of their careers. Yeah. Right. If not through influence and amalgamating Western cinematic sensibilities with Kung Fu film with the Chinese boxer, then like I said, getting uh, Jackie, going right so i mean to have a hand in the two uh, biggest stars the genre has ever seen there's something to be said for that um yeah i mean he's you know heard a lot of stories difficult this and that but his his on-screen stuff cannot be denied and i want to give a shout out to golden swallow i think we talked off the air about favorite films of his golden swallow is probably my favorite even though it's not a him in a starring role it's you know it's him lowly and cheng pei pei and uh, it's a rad one. It's one I've went to cover on the show for years, and maybe we'll we'll move it up to queue here. But I thought um, that, I thought that was your nickname. Well, <laughs> that too. That too. Man. I, I read that on a bathroom stall. Yeah, we've been we've been pretty tight for a while. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Golden Swallow is a good one, man. Dirty Ho, Golden Swallow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you, if I'm going to take a name, I'll take Golden Swallow over Dirty Ho. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you want to be known as the Dirty Ho. You're the Black Eagle. That's already been decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, yeah, Brad talked about Master of the Flying Guillotine. That's a very important film for me. Um, it's 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 a ridiculous film, uh, and it's it's something that I appreciate in in cinema. It, it lives in its own world. Um, I mean, at one point, he actually throws the flying guillotine at a chicken, I believe. Yes, yes, um, he does. and he kills a chicken. But but the movie is. Is crazy, and I think there's only two, maybe three flying guillotine films. Uh, you want to stick with the Wang Yu one; it's 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 the good one. Um, but they're they're it's it's bonkers. I'll I'll say this about Jimmy Wang Yu: he isn't probably maybe in my top. Maybe he's not in my top five. He would probably be in my top ten. Maybe I don't know, man. That's that's a deep list. I just finished watching a documentary called Kung Fu Stuntman, and that that. Jack, if I had that list worked out, it got it all jacked up again. Uh, <laughs> so you know the, that that diff- it makes it difficult. But 
I'll say that uh, I appreciate him quite a bit. It's kind of like the Mario Bava, Argento, Martino comparisons we've done on this show for years. Clearly, Bava, uh, kind of the father of a certain kind of genre. Leone, kind of the father of a certain kind of genre. And then you get the people who riff on it. And sometimes the people who riff on it kind of outdo the person who kind of breaks those waves wide open, right? So um, we've kind of talked about that over the years. And and, and But if, if anything, Jimmy Wang, you opened the door for, you know, before even Bruce Lee. And he should be remembered for that because Bruce Lee, obviously, very that's a shining star. And you once that star, once that hit, I mean, that, that was, Jesus, that was a supernova. You weren't going to stop that. Uh, in the wrestling business, they call that strap a rocket to his ass and just let him go because, I mean, he's just on his way to the top. Um, so Wang Yu kind of got pushed to the back, but there's a lot of good films in there. Go and Swallow, I agree. I'll tell you one that nobody ever talks about, and it's got one of my favorite titles, and it's on Tubi if anybody wants to watch this and you haven't seen it, but Furious Slaughter. If you've never seen Furious Slaughter, check that one out. That's a 1930s uh, kind of a, a slave trade. Slave trade, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's this that that title alone should make you want to watch it. Furious Slaughter. <laughs> what a great title! I love titles that give you this kind of you know it's like Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Jimmy Wang. You, uh, yeah, one of the greats, man. Um, I hope we never have to mention any names associated with him, but I know sadly we probably will at some point. Um, and it's just, it just, one of the worst things about getting old is watching these guys, you know, go away. So it's a shame. Uh, yeah, I think about that all the time with, and I mean, I don't, but I don't want to jinx. I'm going to touch wood here, like Clint or any of the guys that we grew up are heroes. I mean, wrestling, I was at Scott Hall was my guy, him and Ric Flair and Scott Hall passed recently. And yeah, it's, and I try to say to my kids, like, they know some of these guys, but some of them, they can't appreciate what they meant to a generation. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I, I think about, you know, Samuel's getting up there. Jackie's, uh, I mean, oh. Jackie looks like a million bucks, but he's getting up there. And, uh, uh, who's, who's I just thinking? Oh, Yun Wu, Yun Wu Ping. I was just thinking of him the other day because he's he, not a young man. He looks like an old man. <laughs> he's like an old man for since like <laughs> yeah, mismatched couples. Old. <laughs> yeah. Since like 1975, he's looked like an old man. Yeah, he's like 55 since then. So, well, uh, for for some of these, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. Like uh, when Burt Reynolds passed, that hit me. Oh yeah, that it hit. It did. Yeah, absolutely. And I when I was trying, I was trying to figure it out. Like, why is a person I haven't met, um, like Jim Kelly, Burt Reynolds, uh, Roddy Piper? I've met Roddy Piper and Jim Kelly. Th- those hurt too. But when you're thinking about it and you're growing up, I mean, the, these are like yeah. your surrogate parents for a yes. while because. Yeah. When, when you're left in their world and you're growing up with their movies and you want to be them, et cetera, when, when they pass, it, it kind of puts mortality um, at your doorstep. And, yeah. and that sucks, man. But, yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like watching a parent go that, that watched over you during your childhood. Yeah. You spend a lot of time with these people, right? I mean, you're not, yeah. it's not personal time, but you spend a lot of time with these people. It's and- that, and it's realizing that even the people that – even as we get older, if it's subconsciously – are superheroes age they're mortal right so it definitely right, does right. bring your mortality into right in front of you and and i don't mean this in a vain way but when you look at even some actresses or actors that you just think are pillars of physicality or beauty 
and you see them really age or get sick and it's like, man, it, it, it is, it hits you. It's yeah, uh, yeah. that's what I was thinking when I was like, if you look at Gordon Lau now, it's like, man, oh, that man. guy, it's, it's really sad. You're like, when he goes, I'm going to be super yeah, yeah. bummed. Very, very sad. That's a Mount Rushmore guy for me in an yeah. instant. Yeah, yeah. instant. And he was still going hard. Like, yeah. Up until he got sick. I mean, yeah. what, he had a, like he had a stroke. You know? That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. He was still going, man. He was like, shit. It was good. Yeah, I know. Well, we all get older and, uh, the, 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 they're lucky enough that they leave a legacy behind. So, uh, I'm sure their families feel a different type of legacy and that's great. And, uh, yeah, like I said, this rest in peace, Jimmy Wang, you, so this week kind of for some fun. And, and again, for filling out the episode a little bit, I just thought, why don't we talk about Canon films a little bit? Now we've talked about Canon films over the years. Uh, no doubt about it. We're Will and I are huge fans. Um, I'm pretty sure Brad and Troy are, but Canon was an interesting studio in that it kind of discovered a formula in the eighties and it just kind of rode that train until it, I think it, it may at some point that studio may have went for some Oscar gold because I believe Runaway Train was Runaway Train nominated for a Best Picture Oscar or just no, some people. It was an actor, supporting, supporting actor, actor, and editing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but that was the, I think that was the height of their critical praise. Maybe, maybe I, I'm pretty positive yeah, I'm they, right about. They tried to get really into that, like Godard did King Lear and stuff. Like they really, yeah, they tried. Last themselves up. Yeah. Well, I mean, they became known as the studio that pumped out these Charles Bronson, Chuck Norris flicks, and I think they wanted to get away from that, even though that's where the bread was buttered, right? So, anyway, I thought it would be fun if we just just want a piece mentioned what we think is the film that means the most to us, either our favorite canon, the most important canon, or however you want to look at it, the film that you know kind of encompasses what canon was doing however you want to feel about it uh, and see where we go from there. I'm sure it'll lead to a little bit of conversation here. So I don't know who wants to start. It's a, it was an intimidating list to look through. I got to say it, it was one of those lists where I'm scrolling through it and I'm like, Oh, Oh, oh what about that one? Oh, for me. Yeah. So true. I don't know uh, who, who wants to, who wants to jump on the uh, jump on the, uh, the sword here, the ninja sword, so to speak, who wants to, I'll take that cannon shot first. <laughs> okay. Well, um, mine's probably the worst film that Canon. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say what their worst film is, Oh, <laughs> uh, but this is probably the one that means the most to me. And I have no idea why um, I've seen the first 25 minutes of this movie. Probably a thousand times. It is masters of the universe. Wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I don't know why I really think the first 20 minutes of that movie's really good uh i mean it's not really good it's atrocious but in like that way it's just perfect for me um i remember having a having it like on a vhs when i was little and you know it's like okay i'm just gonna watch this part and then i get bored and end it and watch something else um but when i think of canon films i think of that dumb movie with off wonder and playing he-man and <laughs> courtney cox and you're like uh yeah frank langella and yeah well frank, frank langella putting in a performance that is amazing in that movie it's incredible yes like it's <laughs> like you know like let's say well i mean it's oscar worthy i mean it, it could be i mean it's it's a performance that that movie doesn't deserve yes like and he's <laughs> eating scenery it's just it's perfect skeletor yeah. is 
And every time I see that meme that Troy will send every once in a while or Samuel will send the Skeletor <laughs> meme, I always think of think of that movie. So <laughs> Masters of the Universe. Nice. Nice. Hans, did anyone think that, that we would talk about Masters of the Universe? Tonight? No. I, 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 I actually well, I would, you would pick not, it. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised this is the GGTMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've covered it on the show. So, I mean, Todd and I talked about it a while back. But um, I'm not – I mean, no, I'm not surprised. Um, that that movie encapsulates, I think, what canon was all about. Certainly, in a yeah. lot of ways. When I sit here and think about it, I'm thinking about it as I speak. And uh, yeah, it, it encapsulates a lot of the canon stuff that was going on. <laughs> it's the perfect example of a canon film, if you think about it. Yeah. Well, High I mean, concept, a lot of ideas and it just kind of runs out of money at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, people have talked about how Netflix and Amazon and all these companies are looking for a brand or they're looking for these IPs. Canon was doing that back in the 80s. They were looking for the same things. They were looking for these things that they could build franchises out of because that's where the money was. They saw it coming. And uh, they were, remember, they uh, a lot of people, I don't know if people know, but I think they were working on a Spider-Man film, right? With James Spider-Man Cameron. Movie, yeah. yeah. Yep. And that almost got off the ground. So, And they did do a Superman film. It's debatable think, how good that Superman Was it Albert Pune uh, attached to the Spider-Man film? He was. I think he was. Yeah, at yeah. some point he was too, yeah. Pune, man. Yeah, the Pune. Gotta love the Pune. We all love the Pune. And I, I don't know how many times I can say it, but I still love saying it over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> pion. I got this new pop filter so I can say pion, pion, pion. pion. You don't spike. Yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who wants to go next? Who wants to fall on the uh the now the uh, the ninja star here? Who wants to fall on that? Anybody? 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 Okay, all right. So I'm gonna pick a film that when I looked at the list, and it I I'm gonna be honest here. I saw this film the first year COVID hit. And it had always showed up on HBO. And Canon was one of those, as soon as you saw the little logo on a VHS box cover, you were renting that thing and taking it home. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a mark of quality. It, exactly. It was the mark of quality. And yeah. with you and at 10 years old with your buddies, you knew it was going to, it didn't matter what it was. You knew it was going to be awesome. And there was a film I popped in, did not know it was a Canon film. And I'm, and as soon as that logo came up, I'm like, Oh, well, I, I wasn't in the mood tonight for something kind of cheesy actiony, but okay, I started it right. And as soon as this thing was done, I'm I'm just talking to everybody. I'm like, hey, have you seen this film? And I remember it showing up on HBO and, and Cinemax all the time, and just forgetting about it because I didn't think I was interested. But you've already talked about it, Sammy. It's Runaway Train. Oh, okay, okay. I love runaway train and i've only just seen it what two three years ago yeah 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 yeah. no it, it holds up really well it blew my mind it really did because and and i don't know if 10 year old troy would have kind of grasped onto it as a quality film but you know 49 year old troy is like holy shit that was fantastic <laughs> and, and what i love about it is you have these two primary characters that you really shouldn't be rooting for, but throughout the course of the film and especially towards the end, you're just hoping they make it out alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of the practical stunt work and everything they do on that train is just mind boggling. Mm. Yeah. I I think it's just a super intense film. I love it. I, I I can't wait to watch it again, but I I don't know. I, I know everybody talks about the Chuck Norris canon and the ninja canon and everything else, but I had no idea. I mean, at some point I knew that that was a Canon film, but it totally oblivious. And when I popped it in and saw that logo, I had this expectation of a Chuck Norris film or, you know, just everything's going to blow up. 
I wasn't expecting that type of intensity yeah. and actually that type of acting. And then when I did some research, I'm like, holy cow, this thing was nominated for three Academy Awards. Yeah. Eric Roberts thing I don't get, but the John Voight, I definitely do. And the <laughs> editing, 100%, the editing in that film is fantastic, but that, that'd be my pick. Yeah. You know, yeah. just to, to piggyback on what you said, that might be the best example of realization of them wanting to achieve something highbrow, but still having the sensibilities of like a pulpy uh, adventure film, right? Like it kind of marries the best of both worlds, what they made their money on and what they aspired to get their credibility with. Yeah, that is a, that is a great point because it, it is a fantastic adventure movie. It really is. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You know who that story is by, Troy? No. It's a Kurosawa story. Yeah, oh, that's right. Man. Yeah. That's right. That's I'm right. It is. It. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. That's one of the things about Canon I always think about. They were always this studio that, you know, Menachem Golan, we know he loved movies. And uh, I, I, how do you say glo, glo, uh, Globus? Glow for, yeah, Glow and Globus. Or, sorry. Uh, yeah. Or, anyway. Uh, Man- not, oh, never mind. Menachem and then Yoram, I think. is that Yoram. Right? It's Yoram. That's right. Um, these guys love movies. And mm. I think that's very important. And I think you can see that. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of cool facts about can a lot of people don't know i mean they, they're the ones that put uh they're the ones that put amadeus out on home video i mean they're the ones that i mean there's just this crazy stuff i mean it's just nuts to me if you look through the history of canon some of the stuff they pulled off and like it was comic all book movies i mean they they were dipping their toes in comic book movies before they, anybody else. yeah they knew I, again I, I believe honestly they saw it coming they really did yep it just uh they were they were a little too ahead of their time uh okay will you want uh you got one these, so far, these are all great lot. picks. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's the problem, right? <laughs> As you guys said, I don't think, and I, you know, I could argue Golden Harvest or a couple other things, maybe like New Line, but Canon, like Troy said, you, you when you saw that logo, it's like some studios they dabble here, they dabble there, but when you, it's like the whole studio was this auteur thing of you knew what you were getting. You knew it was on the tin when you saw that logo. It wasn't about necessarily the director. It was about their brand. And you were getting you were getting a good night on VHS, man. Um, I could get cute with my pick. I'm going to kind of try to cheat a little bit. My absolute favorite is Cobra. I think it's the most perfect action yeah. film. I yeah. think it's yeah. Sly's best non-Rocky, like non-dramatic role. Yeah, both of his um, canon films are amazing. Cobra to me is just, it's the perfect eighties action film. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard for me to argue against that. And we've covered it. It's, it's tremendous. I mean, I could listen, I could have gone with Ninja three, my favorite Chuck jam invasion USA. Oh. You could have gone with over the top. That still gets me weepy eyed. <laughs> um, uh, let me just shout out two more. Cause I like to ramble. <laughs> 10 to midnight is great. Yes. Oh yeah. Like, 10 to midnight is so good. <laughs> naked killer it is that now is that the one where chuck either sticks a watch up the guy's ass or makes him eat his watch or something no, or? that, that Kin, kinjite uh is the one oh, with the kinjite, which right. is also a canon film yes which is also amazing but 10 to midnight's amazing and let me just show you midnight's one the one where they slap the dildo down on the uh, table during the interrogation oh, yes. <laughs> for jacking off <laughs> that's an amazing film you know, it's uh, it's something, man. Yes, and it is. the last one I want to shout out was my probably most recent Canon watch, maybe about seven, eight years ago. And I was blown away that more people don't give it love. And it's into it's the horror genre, man. It's their uh, it's New Year's Evil. 
Fun oh. slasher game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a really candy? fun oh. slasher. Oh wow, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was early. If I believe, I believe that was yeah, before the ninja fun. stuff and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a fun one, man. It's a really fun slasher that doesn't get a lot of love. I feel like it's actually the production right after the apple to, to bring the apple. Yeah, back there on. you go. <laughs> and I love the there. apple. Man. <laughs> the apple keeps coming up. <laughs> yeah, but if I had to pick one, it's Cobra, man. I don't know. There's one in here. I got to say, there's a film in here called Private Popsicle, and I, I really yeah, want to see this because I don't know. Golden Popsicle. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it's it's my kind of movie. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good choice. I tell you what, man. This is. Uh, I sound like a wrestler. I tell you what. Listen to me now, guys. Listen, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rose. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many great canon films. Uh, and when I say great, I mean they just hold a special play to, place in my heart. They really do. Uh, Lou Ferrigno's Hercules. I love that film. Oh, yes. I, I know it's not a good film. I love it. I love every single frame of it. Um, Rappin'. Uh, that's one that goes back for us. Yeah. And, and also- Rappin' has a special place in my heart because <laughs> yes. I think I saw it with you guys outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. I think you saw it with me. Me and Will had reviewed it. And I was like, you got to watch Rappin'. You got to watch Rappin'. Amazing. Obviously, Invasion USA and King Solomon's Mind. That was a big one for me. I went to the movies. They did the Adventure Jams for a while. That and like Firewalker. Like they were all about that indie money, chasing that indie money. Yeah, yeah. They were trying to chase some of that stuff. I'll tell you, it's not. I think the one to me, I mean, this this one we're going to talk about this week is very high on the list of canon films for me. Personally, it's a bit of a spoiler I'm giving away there. But I've always loved the film we're going to talk about this week. But it was really tough for me to come down to one film that I can think of that is dead on what I think canon was all about. But if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one film, for me, it's Death Wish 3. Amazing. Because Death Wish 3 is the most ill-advised, questionable piece of entertainment possibly ever made. (laughs) (laughs) it is one of the strangest creations of all time and i love it i love it so much they got they got two part threes that i think are amazing death wish three and they're actually the ones that produced penitentiary part three which is the insane penitentiary film that's the one i believe that's the one with the uh the small person and the dungeon and uh i don't know we reviewed those films a long time ago so i don't remember anymore but (laughs) But I love Death Wish 3. Uh, I can watch it at any given point in time. It's tasteless, and that's what I love about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, man, Canon, they just they just went for it. And that's what I've always appreciated about them. I mean, you just you look at, I mean, they produced the Barbarians, the uh, uh, Diodato film. They, uh, they, just, they just did everything. And, uh, man, the world was a sad place. The, you know, the, you guys know what the last Canon release was? Just offhand, do you happen to know? I used to know. I can't. I can't. It wasn't the Punisher, was it? No, you'll know when I say it out loud. Probably, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." So the last official release was Cyborg, nineteen eighty nine. Ah yes. Oh okay. Vincent Clinton, man. Yeah. So that was the last official release. Pun. It all comes back to the pun. All comes back to the pun. That's right. (laughs) Always comes back to the pun. They released a ton of stuff on video, though. I mean, they're responsible for so much stuff that I saw in video stores that without them, I I don't think they get enough credit for that. Stuff like Convoy, um, Teen Wolf. I mean, they they put a lot of that stuff on videotape that nobody was putting on videotape. 
Peck and Paul stuff. Dreamscape was on video. They I can't the- remember a Saturday in the 80s when I probably wasn't watching a Canon film. Too, yeah. quite honestly. The Driver was released by Canon on home video. I mean, they just... Oh, yeah. It's just amazing, the stuff they would put out. Uh, Canon. I love them. I always <laughs> love them. All right. All right, so we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk more Canon. We're going to talk uh, Revenge of the Ninja from 1983. Uh, this, this should be a fun. This should be a good discussion here. So we're going to be back right after this. Definitely gonna add that one back to the old playlist in the car. That's uh. Can, can we talk about this song for a second? So oh, we, we could talk about this song all night, probably. I, I know what us for. We're, we're listening to Sirius XM '80s the other day. My son and I are driving to somewhere, and this song comes up, and Cameron's like, "I know this song. I, I think I've heard this song. Of like, I'm of course you've heard this song before." He's like, "Where have I heard this song?" I'm like, "Well, let me help you out." Put it on the rates. <laughs> He's like, yeah, and Frankenstein. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time I see my wife watches reruns, she likes to have TV on the background when she works. So Raymond's on a lot. And uh, I see Peter Boyle. Every time I see him, all I can think about is putting on the Ritz. That's all I can think about every time. Oh, God, that's the greatest. There's so many great scenes of that film. But when he's trying to <laughs> sing that song, I, I just yeah. I die laughing. All right, so that was fun. That was a uh, number one song there in September of '83, at least as far as we know, and uh, we're going to stick to that. So, to our extensive research confirms <laughs> it was. <laughs> By extensive research, we mean Google. So, let's get into this film here: Revenge of the Ninja, 1983, rated R, 90 minutes. Synopsis is as follows: After ninjas killed his family, Cho and his son Kane come to America to start a new life. He opens a doll shop but is unwittingly importing heroin in the dolls. Um, I'll just leave it at that, just in case anybody hasn't seen it. The next line kind of gives it away. I don't think it's a big, I think it's kind of given away quite early, but I don't want to ruin it for anybody. This is directed by Sam Furstenberg, who uh, made quite a few films for Canon. Uh, some popular ones at that. I believe he did Breaking 2. and uh, American oh, Ninja. Yeah, American Ninja. And then, I don't think he did the first American Ninja. I think he did Part 2. But he did a lot of Dudikoff films, though. He, him and Dudikoff became a an item. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. That that's not fair because that that has a connotation to it. But they definitely work together quite often. I don't know. I don't think we've ever covered a Michael Dudikoff film on the show. That's kind of a shameful thing. What? Really? Yeah, I don't think we ever have. That doesn't sound right. Really? <laughs> I will. Is anything drawn any with American Ninja? I don't think we ever did American Ninja, did we? We, we never have, and that's 
That's criminal. <laughs> it is. We might have to do an American Ninja month. Yeah. yeah. Putting on the Ritz. Um, on the Ritz. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, this film, um, this was the Ninja film I always thought of when I was growing up. And there's one scene in particular, I'll talk about it a little later, but uh, I know this is a revisit for all of us. Um, I don't know who wants to take the lead on this. Obviously, we always defer to the guests, so I don't know if Brad or Troy wants to jump on the on the, on the the bandwagon here and go for it. Just let me know. Uh, I'll go. A um, little background. So I lived about, I don't know, maybe 200 yards from a blockbuster growing up. Oh. Um, and so every Friday... Literally, I would rent Highlander, and I would rent Revenge of the Ninja, and I would watch them all weekend and then take them back on Sunday, and it was a good time. Nice. Um, there are numerous reasons why I watched uh, Revenge of the Ninja. Well, a pair of them. Um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> I, I, I will say, if you start off your movie throwing a ninja star at a little kid's head and killing him in the first three minutes of a movie – you have got my stamp of approval and yeah. I am in like Flynn. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Um, everything about it. It's so enter the ninja is a little bit more. It's got some more comic beats in it, but this one is way more gory and there's a lot of people losing limbs. Um, <laughs> yes. A lot more blood. Um, <laughs> And I think that's why I like it more than Enter the Ninja. And it's way more show in this one. Um, and I'm like totally down for that. Um, and, you know, it's it's Ninja on Ninja. And it's, <laughs> you know, if, when I look up like Ninja movie in the dictionary, it's Revenge of the Ninja for me. Um, I, you know, we, my friends and I used to call the guy, the mob guy, a uh, faux Pesci. Cause he's like a fake <laughs> Joe Pesci. So he's always faux Pesci. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy who looks like fake OJ Simpson in this movie. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty bonkers. Um, and yeah, it's got nudity in it. So, yeah. you know, 11 year old Brad was obsessed with this movie. Sure. Um, again, it was, it was Highlander and it was revenge of the ninja every weekend for, I don't know, probably three or four years straight. Yeah. Um, and, uh, probably felt like got, that anyway. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. It would probably, we ended up being like, you know, a month, but in my life it was like, Oh no, it was years. Um, yeah, man, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, there's, there's a fight at the end of this movie and one of the ninjas shoots fire at the other ninja. And you're just like, okay, uh, this is, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Um, we kind of talk about like jokingly last week about the citizen Kane and ninja movies. Revenge of the ninja is citizen Kane of ninja movies. Nice. Nice. Troy. Very nice. What you got? Uh, I, <laughs> I <laughs> think this film does the smart thing and doesn't, uh, screw around with the formula, yeah, which is smart. So right out of the beginning, it starts with ninja action. Yeah, so it's like, hey, don't mess with the formula. And like Brad said, you get you get a little kid with a ninja star in its head. I mean, a whole yeah. family's massacred. I think that's uh, and, Shane Kasugi that gets the ninja star in his head. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, so they're playing um, 
He has two roles in here, right? Well, I think and, that's Shane there. Oh, that's Shane, and then there's um, Kane. Kane comes Kane, along and right. plays the yeah the, the grown child that they leave. Because aren't they? Every time I say Kane, I just want to hear, hear Jim Ross yell, "It's Kane! Yeah. My God, it's it's Kane! <laughs> My God!" <laughs> yeah, that because Shane, I don't think has done as much acting work as Kane. Kane's gone on to, to he pops up and stuff uh, every now and then. He does choreography, I think, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and we we can we can digress about Kane Kosogi because there's a there's a couple of films he's done. Uh, specifically, I think it's called um, uh, Blood Heat or Muscle Heat, uh, and I can't remember the year. It's fantastic. It doesn't matter if it, either one of those titles is fine with me because both of those titles are awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fantastic film. I mean, Kane Kosogi has grown into a fantastic uh, bunch of life. Kane Kosogi was also in Black Eagle, I believe. Uh, yeah, he's in DOA, which uh, is a ridiculous film, but that, that, I, I happen to love that. That has film. an alternate title known as Biscuit Heat. <laughs> um but no I, I i i think the the whole beginning accumulates or just it apexes to where they're having dialogue and you have this dead ninja just hanging in a tree and and i love that um this this film is bonkers I, I, if you were to start to go through it i think it does a really good job from a formula standpoint that just when you think there's a little bit too much dialogue, then something happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It's always moving. Um, now, can we talk about <laughs> show Kasugi? So th- what's interesting about this is, you know, they, they got together and they said, enter the ninja was a huge success. And I think it had about a million dollar budget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one comes along and they go, well, we're only going to spend 700,000. Right. And I, I think, the reason why they did that is to go, okay, we're going to give show Kasugi like, you know, top bill. He's going to be the star of this thing. So I think they were looking at that as a risk. And in the eighties, that's totally accurate. Right. Right. Yep. And this thing went on to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. $13 million. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and when you, when you take a step back and look at um, show Kasugi, I really love show Kasugi. And I, I and I want to talk about his acting for a second. My favorite thing about Sho Kasugi's acting is his facial expressions and what's going on with him when he is doing his ninja stuff and kicking people in the face or slicing them, or when he's getting hit. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think he's super expressive, and I think he sells you know the whole ninja stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think King Kasugi um, does it too. I. I really like all of the elements with Kane where they're showing off his martial arts. I mean, you watch that kid do his sword katas. It's fantastic. He oh, gets yeah. a little Jackie Chan sequence in there when he's fighting the blonde in the dojo. Yeah. <laughs> um, where he like just bumps his head trying to escape and it, and he sells it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm still a bigger fan of enter the ninja. Okay. For one specific reason. The only downfall to this film is the choreography. Oh yeah. And okay. Shane or excuse me, um Sho Kasugi did the action choreography. And there are elements of this especially towards the end when you get into the sword play, it's very peaking opera. Hmm. And when you take a step back and look what Sho decided to go with versus what Mike Stone did, I I like the brutality the quickness and also the karate that's on display from Mike Stone's choreography versus the Peking opera aspects of 
the sort of ninja choreography that's on display here. Okay. Not to say there's not fantastic choreography in here. There is. But at times it gets very showy and very peaking opera. And I, I don't know if that works in favor of a ninja. I film. see what you did there. Showy. I get it. Yeah. Hey, see? Troy, is there a human gusher in Enter the Ninja? Oh, yeah. you're talking about the art, the guttural spray or whatever. Yeah. Is there a human gusher in? Because no, there's one in Revenge of the, yeah. the Ninja. So there, therefore, better movie. There, there is a lot of blood in this one compared to the first one. And the first one is, is not, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't skimp on the violence, right? This one, this one t- takes it up a notch. You get but a star to the eye and the eyeballs coming out. I mean, it's. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they up the ante in this. And I think it's also finger on the pulse of what society wanted from you know vhs is swinging um it's not just action-packed they, they got to have some gore and it's it's bloody film yeah for sure yeah you know i i skip we'll talk about the cast as we talk about the film i usually gonna go over the cast and stuff but i'll we'll kind of talk about that as we kind of go through the film but i see the angle you're taking troy this one does feel it's interesting the first one feels a little bit more i don't know what the word i'm looking for here is um I think there's a roughness intimate around maybe. the edges and yeah, intimate. That's I, there's something about the display. I mean, when a ninja is taking somebody out and there is a ninja against ninja fight in, in enter the ninja. Yes. And I hate comparing against the two. Cause I think they're two very unique films, but at the same time, it does kind kind of come down to style preference. And I think when the action occurs, it's, it's bloody. It's probably not as bloody as this one. Cause to Will's point, they they up everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some conciseness and a little bit of messiness, um, and I kind of like that aspect of the first one where this is very showy and it is very peaking opera. There's an element where the guy's just like running his sword towards the other guy and he just flips over the sword. It is a move right out of peaking stage opera. They do yeah. a lot of those moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's fine. It it works in the context, but when you do it three or four times, you're kind of like okay, this should be over right now. But I'll say this, when you get Keith Vitale, who, dude, that guy's kicks legit. are so graceful. Legit, legit. Yeah, when he's kicking people in the face, you're like, that is damn near the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Yeah, Keith Vitale, was, was, he, was in, uh, he was in Super Fights, which we did, yeah. Will. He's, he's got a great filmography. He's a great, legit martial artist, too. Uh, I was going to say, a bit of a missed opportunity. He's... yeah. Kind of shuffled to the side here, right? Like, I mean, yeah, he's he's one of the best, best at the time that there was, right? Wheels on meals. I mean, he worked. He worked with legit people, and it's too bad he didn't get a chance to shine more, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he's still. I feel like I looked at his filmography, and he might still be doing something like TV or something. But uh, yeah, yeah. I saw him, and I thought, where do I know this guy from? And then I looked at his filmography. I'm like, oh yeah, super fights. <laughs> Ton of stuff. American Kickboxer, yeah. uh, Blood, Blood Moon, Moon Five, yeah. which is a fun one. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's got a, sh- he's like the, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Robert. Um, oh gosh, I'm bringing this review to a halt. Uh, <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon, Casal, uh, John Casal. He's like the John Casal of, oh nice, like eighty arts film. Short but incredible filmography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. and I'll say this: this of, of the movies you watched so far, this is the one that I wish we had watched with the four of us in the same room. Oh yeah, there would have been a lot of high fiving going uh, on in this film. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a fun group watch. Oh yeah, but yeah, I, I I agree with everything Brad said. I just have some small nitpicking things with it 
that pop out, especially after just watching Enter the Ninja. Okay. And that there, there there is a style preference that I think I pick up on between the two, and I prefer Enter the Ninja just a little bit more than this one. Okay. Troy, Kane and I had a sexual awakening during this movie when what's her name dials that phone in a wet t-shirt right oh my God. in front of him. Yeah. Holy shit. I was like, yeah. ah, you know, my God. Shokasugi poked his eye out. You know, God bless him. He puts his kids in movies. They get death stars in the ass and half naked women in front of him. You know, yeah, who'd you turn to the stick on that one? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm Shane, I'm like, oh, this sucks. This sucks. <laughs> Mouth scene one, ninja star in the eye. Yeah. Uh, this also has some amazing uh, mannequin deaths, or I don't know what you not you know, deaths, but I'm going to talk about this when I get to my side. If somebody doesn't talk about it, but I tell you what, this film has that I think, in my opinion, trumps Enter the Ninja. Oh, boy, I got to hear this now. It has this insane van chase sequence. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. It's really that good. Is, it's practical effects directed by an, a director who had never done an action movie before and didn't know how to do action movies. And everything about that whole sequence looks like somebody could possibly get killed. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's all on film. Oh, it's it, intense. We get some Teen Wolf moments. Speaking, bring him back, Teen yeah, Wolf. Yeah, yeah. Gets a little showy, Shokasugi e showy. Uh, yeah, a little surfing on top there. We get the you know his uh, his legs get all uh, diced up a little bit, a little scraped. But I I think that that sequence alone kind of gives it a little bit more. There's nothing in Enter the Ninja that now now don't get me wrong. I think Enter the Ninja is a great film. I think what's great about Enter the Ninja is I think it takes the mythology of the ninja. And this is before I think canon really becomes canon. And what it's really doing, it's a very simple action movie, but it's told with a mostly straight face. Some funny bits, no doubt, but it's told with mostly a straight face. This one kind of knows what it is. It kind of knows. It feels like, hey, Sam Furstenberg, I need you to make an action movie. You ever made an action movie? Oh, sure. Yeah, I've made one. And, of course, he hasn't. And he's like, I'm just going to figure it out <laughs> as I go along. And because of that, Everything's like this slightly, it's like a tainted piece on a, on a, on a nice sirloin. There's like that one piece that you're like, I don't know. I I can cut that off or maybe I can eat it and take a risk. I mean, it is a piece of the steak. I don't really want to cut off of there. I'm kind of hungry, but you know, it looks a little brown in that one spot, but I think I'll go ahead and eat it anyway. I don't, that's a bad analogy, but either way (laughs) (laughs) you get what I'm saying. There's something slightly off about this movie that gives it this kind of, awesome B movie feel that I think works more in its favor. It be it the nudity, the, the gore, the children in peril, uh, the van chase sequence, the, the grandma mask. in peril. Yeah. The grandma in peril, the mask. We'll talk about the mask more. Um, I'll kick it over to will or if Troy, if you're done, if you're not done, we can talk some more either way. I, I have one question for that van chase sequence. Did anybody else rewind it a couple times to see, <laughs> that car hit that mannequin like it ran over yeah i mean if that were if that were a stuntman they would be dead yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's yeah. crazy yeah yeah the only difference between this and an indonesian film is that was probably a fake person in an indonesian film that would have been a real person and they just would cut true. away yeah. but like uh, nobody needs to see that um will i know you've seen this before i know we've talked about it over the years what do you think on a revisit uh it it holds up you know, it's it's a favorite one. I probably saw this more than Enter as a child. Yeah. 
this feels like ninjas have permeated pop culture. They're still not heavily saturated, but uh, it's interesting that it kind of flips the formula of the first one where now show is the star. Yeah. The white guy's the bad guy kind of flips that around. Not that I think there was any sort of emphasis on race. I think it was just out of more necessity. And I think uh, like Troy or Brad were saying early on, just how difficult it might have been to put someone whose language, first language is in English. It might have been a bit of a challenge, but at this point they kind of went uh, more all in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you do get that bleed over from from some of the slasher stuff that was heavy uh, at the beginning of the decade. Um, they couldn't help but use the the standard Asian font with the credits, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How about this? You know, we always talk about how useless it is to bring a knife to a gunfight, <laughs> but it's it's more useless to bring a gun to a ninja fight. <laughs> Generally speaking, right? Like it kind of yeah. turns that on its ear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, if you're going to be a ninja hanging from an eaves trough to try to attack someone just isn't a good strategy because you got, you just dangling. Yeah. You're going to be a feed bag. Yeah. But you know, it's some odd decisions from the ninjas here. Ill-advised. And you know, this is a gripe about ninjas now. And I love ninjas, which is why I'm griping. But to me, like the black, I mean, okay, storm shadow aside, black (laughs) ninja was always the ninja. Yeah. And we got all these henchmen ninjas running around in black. They're, they're a bunch of imposters. They don't even know how to use smoke bombs. <laughs> and they're running around. Yeah. Like they got to give them red, like red ninja suits or they can all wear the white suits. Save the black suits for the real Gs. Yeah. Like to me, there's got to be some rules here. These guys think they're Rocher balls or something. You know, these, these uh, smoke yeah, bombs, yeah. what are they doing? <laughs> I, I'm going to say something car- controversial. That final fight scene, show Kasugi is a pansy. <laughs> that dude gets beat up, cut like no, Franco Nero never got his ass handed to him the way that Sho Kasugi did um, at the final part of this one. So I'm with you. <laughs> Snake Eyes was always the biggest, baddest ninja of all time. I mean, that's if you're talking the greatest ninja of all time, it's Snake Eyes from, you know, the 80s G.I. Joe. He's but, pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, I, 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 I really kind of got annoyed. And I've seen this at, like a thousand times. But I always get a little bit annoyed when Shokasugi is getting cut and he can't figure out it's a robot hand in a jacuzzi and he can't figure out he's slicing the mannequin. And then he gets punched around and thrown around. Did and- you just hear the sentence that you said? Yeah. That's yeah. why this movie is awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I mean, are amazing. I <laughs> that, that, is, that is amazing. Sequences. Yeah. The robot hand in the jacuzzi. Again, the jacuzzi, the jacuzzi is a threefer in this one, I think. I think it comes How up three different How many jacuzzis <laughs> do you got to put in a film? Um, but no, that I he's he's kind of a pussy ninja there at the, at the end. I mean, he gets his ass handed to him by a white guy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think he's a, uh, I think he's a uh, complicated ninja. <laughs> I don't think he wants to go back. I think he, I think it's too painful for him. He lost a son. He lost a wife. Uh, judging from the way his hair looks when he gets to America, he lost his blow dryer as well. It seems to me that <laughs> it seems to me that he, he doesn't want to go back. And of course, if we get that great scene, I always love those scenes in movies when somebody opens up their menagerie of weapons or something, and you know that they're going to use twice as much of whatever artillery they they're showing us, you know, yeah. be like two smoke bombs, and he uses like fifteen, and it's like, where's all the other stuff? You know, is it just kind of is that, is that the the top tray is just the tray for the you know for the 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 photo op? 
where's the rest of that stuff? Um, I, I kind of like that he kind of gets whipped a little bit in it. I, That's I, the Van Dam formula. Yeah, I, and that what I, here's That's what a I, good point. Yeah. yeah, here's what I like about it. I like that our heavy this white man, who by the way that actor, uh, he's still working. That guy. Uh, yeah, he um, he was in uh, man. What was he in? Something we've all seen. Uh, he was a uh, chopping mall. He was in chopping mall. He works with Jim Wynorski quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, he's in a lot of stuff like that. He's in a Jim Warnerski film called Scared Topless. What's a great title? Um, Sounds like a Warnerski film. <laughs> it does sound like a Warnerski film. Uh, has Bridget B in it? Look her up. You won't be you won't be disappointed. Um, anyway, uh, side note there, uh, Black Eagle talk. The uh, <laughs> to kind of get back to what we're talking about, the inventiveness of our bad ninja here is on par with like some ridiculous like inspector gadget bad guy or something i have no idea what's going he's got he's got he's using all the weapons he's got robot arms he's hiding in jacuzzis which doesn't even seem like a good idea um it advised yeah i mean would your body temperature go up uh it just seems like a bad idea he's hiding heroin in chinese dolls (laughs) (laughs) yes yes which is really something considering they're Japanese dolls, but they, oh, they, sorry, they Japanese <laughs> <laughs> but they, no, it, but you know, what I like about it is Furstenberg too. He's like, you know, he's not letting off the gas in any way. He's got a sumo servant. He's got an Indian American Indian servant, Don Shanks, the great yeah. Don Shanks. Don Shanks, man. He <laughs> drops a nice, nice move. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's got some pretty good moves in here. Uh, if you if you're of a Off certain top, top rope, that's yeah. what's up. If you're of a certain age, Don Shanks was in a, like a, he always looked the same. He's always had yeah. the same. He looked like one of the village people, but like mad, uh, you know, like pissed off. You know, so yeah. village people are always smiling and laughing, but, uh, but he not was, the village not people in this movie because they're coming up later. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, we'll talk about that. Jiminy's <laughs> yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that. But that's the thing. That's the thing with this movie. This film. It is total B movie like cocaine in a weird way. It's like it's a Charles Bronson film with Shokazugi in it. Um, I know you guys like Pray for Death a lot. I like Pray for Death, but I always wanted it to be more. I always wanted the bad guys and stuff and Pray for Death to be prayed for more. Yeah, I prayed for more. Uh, with this. <laughs> God damn it. I'm just I'm just lobbing them out there at this point, like kind of like muscle heat or. <laughs> which i looked that up it is muscle heat muscle heat that's a great title for a movie um yes. so it, it feels this to me feels like a death wish 2 or even a death wish 3 in some ways and i like that because obviously shokazugi's really good i agree with what troy said he sells everything he he has to sell like he's got professional wrestler type ability he's selling his pain he's selling the uh, bad knees the torn up uh quads all that kind of good stuff but i don't think they 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 don't linger on him and so he never really kind of there's moments in here where he doesn't really get the hero shot so much it's kind of like he's just in there making short work of some of these guys except for the guy at the end but i think that's just to set up this this bad ninja as like legit like one of the worst well first of all he's a terrible human being but terrible he's and he's willing to go to any length to uh to get what he wants and uh he's you know he's working with the mob and all this kind of stuff and i, I love that uh that frank pesci thing that you are the joe pesci thing that you said calling the faux pesci because oh, pesci, yes because he looks like deep roy as joe pesci yeah well it's funny you guys mentioned that you got i don't know if you guys remember him or not but he was uh, i think he was one of jake lamotta's coaches 
and Raging, uh, Bull. Raging Bull. And even back then, I remember thinking, what they do, hire Joe Pesci's brother? Because, I mean, this guy looks like Joe Pesci, and I, he sounds like him, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, for those who also don't know, Don Shanks, he played Michael Myers in Halloween Part 5. He's a no, he's kind of a known stuntman, and uh, I, he was in a lot of television when I was growing up. Mostly my favorite show growing up, The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, which is a show that is awful. But I tell you what, I love it so much because it means everything to me growing up. I kind of look like Grizzly Adams right now. Um, <laughs> but that show, it meant so much to me. If I go back and watch it, it's, it's pretty brutal to watch, but he, uh, he was on that show and I loved him so much for that. And he would pop up and stuff all throughout the eighties. I think he's still working now. I think he's still, yeah, he just did a film called paranormal prison. That sounds like a winner. So yeah. Plays, paranormal muscle. Plays a character named the mannequin slash black wolf. <laughs> Ooh, I like to see the black wolf black and eagle. black eagle go head to head. Yeah. <laughs> This black eagles ran into a few black wolves, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I was excited to see <laughs> Professor Tora Tanaka. I, he's one of my favorite villains from the Speakman film, The Perfect Weapon. Oh, he's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I was he's just great. disappointed that all he did was, you know, he just got in his underwear and fell on top of the Kathy girl. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, he didn't get to, oh, is like, that what he, he fell on top of her? He wasn't trying to rape her, Troy. He just fell on top no, of no, her. No, no, he fell. He tripped. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Professor. Professor Tanaka would never rape anybody. Yeah, no, he yeah he clearly had the rape eyes going when uh, he saw her. <laughs> he definitely had the rape vision going there. That uh, Will, uh, not not our Will Smith. Uh, that uh, you know the William the Will Smith the actor that rape vision that face. He's oh, like I'm getting uh, some of that. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not our. I'm glad Will. you clarified that too. Not our Will. <laughs> I, I just. I, I, I think this movie has really good action beats. I think it's it's like the perfect 90-minute action movie. I never get bored watching this one. I think it moves along well. I think it's a little chopped up and sloppy. But I think this thing works. And the reason I knew Shokazugi was the real deal as a kid was because he caught the cup of coffee, man. That yeah. that That's all it took for me. He didn't have anything else he did. didn't matter. I'll always remember that scene is cemented in my brain. With Shokasugi is him catching. Wasn't the catching the boat, the arrow in his no, teeth. No, okay. I know, I, I know, it's insane. But I always think of that every time somebody brings up Shokasugi. The first thing I think is, man, he caught a cup of coffee that was three fourths full. So we we were talking about like ninja tropes. Um, you you got to have the kujikiris, so you yes. do that. My blood's going when you know he breaks the ribbon and he does the kujikiris. You're like, yep, he's gonna kick some ass. And then in the finale, you know, the big fight, he catches the blades like twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He catches them twice. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, I think the. I think this is. I agree with you. This is the like maybe one of the most perfect. Get the guys together, crack open some beers and watch a movie together, um, because it's just so ridiculous. And I think that's the reason why I got rented so much. Um, for me, I rented it not only when I was younger, but even when I got older, I would rent this on a regular basis and we would watch it until I finally was able to tape a copy off a of cable. And then I just wore that to shreds and, uh, we would watch this thing all the time. We just thought it was the baddest movie on the planet. At one point, Shokasugi was just the baddest man on the face of the earth. We thought. I have a question for you guys. So Shokasugi does the choreography and all four of us, I mean, I think we're action junkies. And when, when you see the Hong Kong cinema of the 70s, 80s, 90s, even the John Wick stuff today, what is it about enter the ninja or this film? Like these ninja films from the eighties, the choreography isn't up to par of anything from a technical standpoint yeah. that we see on display today. Right. 
but yet I almost feel like it's a little better in some instances or charming may not be the word I, I'm I've been trying to put my finger on it I don't know why I enjoy watching this even though from a technical aspect there's more impressive stuff from like Samuel Hung and Yun Biao or Yun Ping or something oh yeah because we grew up with it and it opened up the gateways for us with ninjas and it's not just the choreography it's the ninja aesthetic and the weapons it's the whole ninja package hmm. right like if you just take off their outfits and just give them fucking hunting knives and stuff and they're wearing you know jorts well jorts would be hot but you know like <laughs> you if you just put them in normal clothes and stuff they're just dudes fighting so you wouldn't care it's the ninja aesthetic it's not and, a and everything not a ninja at that point it's a ginger don't be a ginger yeah, that's right <laughs> a ginger no that makes sense that, that's got to be it because I, I just I'm scratching my head like why is this so much fun i mean that it it shouldn't well shouldn't be as cool as what it is i think that's it, what it is it, i think it's the gear i think you know we talked about it and we kind of joked about it right but i mean let's be honest, the tabby boots the, <laughs> the costume i mean you know before covid this stuff was really cool you know and before I, I, COVID. <laughs> I laugh about it now because i see him put the mask on now and all i think is oh yeah he's, he's going to mcdonald's but the, <laughs> but you know back then you know these guys are I think what I always liked about the ninja is the ninja. So the Shaw Brothers stuff, the Golden Harvest stuff, it's the Peking Opera stuff. It's all more about the moves, the timing, and everything. The weapon stuff in that is unsurpassed. I mean, Legendary Weapons of China, we were kind of talking about that before we started recording tonight. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, that stuff, you see that stuff and you just think to yourself, man, that's insane. How does, how do they not, somebody not get, even if that stuff's fake, how does somebody not get killed? Yeah, the eight diagram pole fighter. I just I have no idea what the hell's going yeah. on, but it looks amazing. Yeah, and, and uh, of course you find out a lot of them were taking real hits. I mean, they were fake yeah. weapons, but they were taking real hits. That's why it looks so good. Some strange reason I think there's something about the ninja that's it's this it's this stealth quality and it's this intimacy with the ninja assassin idea. This sneaky character that will come up behind you and cut your throat. There's no there's honor. I don't know what's going on. There's honor. <laughs> And stuff, Mom's but the, but the but the 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 ninja is not above you know hiding in the bamboo, sneaking out, slicing the throat, throwing a star in a kid's eye. They're not above that. Where I feel like the other stuff we talk about, there's a lot more honor in the fight, or at least I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna say I haven't seen every kung fu movie ever made. I just I haven't, but it does feel to me like there's more of a moment where there's a standoff and like we agree to this this fight of honor and there is that in this as well in a way not not in this ninja fight the first ninja enter the ninja there's there's a moment of you know they're honoring each other because they were maybe friends at some point this one is more bad guy versus good guy but i don't know there's something about that that i can't really kind of nail and we'll kind of talk about this we're not going to go into this tonight because we don't have time but we'll kind of talked about this and me and him kind of talked on the phone about it a little bit how the ninja film seems to have caught on in the West more than it probably caught on in the East. Now, I don't know that for a fact, but it does feel like the ninja film, for whatever reason, the ninja mythos kind of, and I don't know if it was GI Joe or what I've been thinking about it ever since Will brought it up. I don't know why it caught on so hard here. Was it because of Canon and Shokasugi and snake eyes and storm shadow? I mean, I have no doubt that that had a lot to do with it, but even the Godfrey Ho films, those were mostly made for an American market. They weren't made for a Chinese market. So 
it's very interesting to me that the ninja was kind of like the Western martial art thing that kind of caught on. Whereas really the fight choreography and everything else is never on par with Shaw brothers, Yoon Wooping, right. Samuel Hung or any of that stuff. Right. So it's a very interesting question, a very interesting dynamic. And I think it's just, the, and I, honestly, I think it's the blood too. I think we love these films because they're kind of horror movies in a way. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with all that. I, I'm just always scratching my head. Like if you, if you want to watch like some of the best action movies, I would pick something out of Jackie Chan, Sammo, um, even some of the Sonny Chiba stuff, but I would always throw like this film in or enter the ninja. And I don't know why, because when I sit down, I'm like from a, from a technical aspect, that looks kind of sloppy, but I yeah. still love it. I mean, there's something about it. Yeah. I mean, it's not even as graceful as mismatched couples. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's cause they incorporated breakdancing into that, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's not even as graceful as that or not even as bonkers as that. And we well, get, except, uh, except for Keith Vitale's kicks, those are freaking yeah, those that's are good. ballet on display right there. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's got anything else they want to add to this review. I know we're kind of coming up on time. Uh, just a couple of quick things. Uh, cause I can get a chance to touch on too much. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, can you guys hear me? Okay. Oh, yeah. we, we hear you. Great. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my sound was cutting out. Um, I'm not a minutia here. I'm going to skip over. <laughs> uh, Don't skip over the uh, Ninja and El Camino. Never, never, uh, you know. Oh, oh hey, yeah, dude. <laughs> let's not overlook the fact that Show Drives a fucking El Camino. Yeah, he's badass. Right? Badass. El Camino. That's that's impressive. And that he dresses his son in pink Lacoste sweaters and they whip ass in them. And that was impressive. Um we talked about, you know, another thing, just talking about uh, ninjas and it, it sort of must making sense of why they work despite being maybe sloppier than Golden Harvester Shaw is. And with that aesthetic is in this one, it's not just a ninja now. We get like this ninja in this like steel mask, which yes. to me, okay. even Go now, ahead. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's bring that up. So I said we were going to talk about the mask. So again, this kind of comes back. There's, there's a lot. I don't know if G.I. Joe curved from this or if this curved from G.I. Joe. Uh but every time I saw this when I was a kid, I always thought of Destro, uh, even though it has nothing to do with that. And it, I don't think Destro was a ninja of any sort. He was just basically he was a, not. He was an a, arms dealer. He was arms dealer. Yeah. He's basically a Telly Savalas clone, right? <laughs> but that's what I think of. And uh, there's a little uh, boop, boop, boop. And uh, whoa, there we go. Uh, <laughs> we're getting paranormal activity on the show here. Um, I that mask makes the bad guy that much more interesting. I don't know if you guys agree with that. It does when he's hypnotizing people with those green eyes or whatever that's behind it. I mean, that's kind of a cool aesthetic with it. Yeah. Sounds like uh, we, we got a speaker call going on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. The sound sounds different. Okay. There we go. Go ahead. Will. Sorry. So, yeah, the mask is great. I mean, even after all these years, I looked at it. It's cool as shit. Um, <laughs> I'd like to have I'd like to have one. I'm not going to lie. It's you know, it's that it's the demon mask. It just it's that uh, that look, man, it looks great. Um, some of the stuff, as you guys said, is pretty impractical and you got to kind of use movie logic to to roll with it. But, you know, it, it's still kind of razzle dazzle with me. Um I got a note here. It says blow dart bare ass. Did someone get a, a blow dart in the bare ass? No, but 
you know, I was actually in There's another a hot tub. Yeah, scene. I don't. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was in another text message thread with some friends, and uh, Brad and Troy were in that thread thread as well, and uh, they were talking about cinematic bliss, and you know, they can have all that they want. I got to watch somebody get blow darted in a jacuzzi while they were making out, and then have to get pried apart with a crowbar. A crowbar. <laughs> That's, which is amazing that's cinematic bliss they just keep, I, <laughs> they, you they know, seized I up Brad. They keep, yeah. you don't understand the poison on that dart was so strong they seized up that those yeah, kegel that exercises sad. were on point but when they bring out dead bodies on a gurney they don't just keep them like, they don't just keep them well, together. Yeah. you know you remember those you heard those cartoons where they put was it alum in the straws and it would <laughs> like suck it down that was what was in that blow dart because her oh, yeah. thingy just right there and that's captured true. it they don't I'm sorry keep... her, her what her what Troy? <laughs> her thingy, thingy went. <laughs> oh her thingy okay her thingy but yeah you're right they don't typically keep them together but in this universe i'll go with that this was the first time they did that and the last time they did that they'll never do that again yeah because their manager Ashley got on it's like please don't do that again that was embarrassing let's shout her out she's pretty good she's pretty good she's, she's pretty good oh. she's got uh she's got that high 80s look that uh big blown dry hair the the high hip uh kind of thong type thing going but she's 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 a sexy lady oh yeah i'm a fan she's, I'm a fan. Yep. she's getting cyclone too man fred olin ray jam yeah she only, she only did a few things um yep. so she unfortunately didn't do a whole lot of stuff but she holds her own with show. She has a good uh, little fight scene with show, and yeah, show. You know, show pulled uh, pulled a Paul. Uh, I was gonna say Paul Blart. Paul, uh, what's his name there? Span the Spaniard. Let me ask this: if I remember this right, because I've seen this film a thousand times, but I want to make sure I remember this right. That one point when she's getting tortured in the jacuzzi, was there one of the henchmen? Was he eating a sandwich while he was watching her? Or is that my imagination? And I, was <laughs> I think hungry. that was uh, your <laughs> imagination. You wanted a sandwich during that scene, I think, man. I really wanted a sandwich at that point, yes. <laughs> your cuck know. fantasy is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to sit over thinking. here and eat this sandwich. Couldn't stop thinking. Stop, stop thinking about those tight thingies. I just wanted a sandwich. Amazing. Amazing. A couple final things. We haven't seen, not since the stabilizer, have we witnessed confoundment by paper drum? Oh, yes. Joe oh. gets hit in the head with that paper drum, and it just yeah stops my tracks for a minute. There's man. actually a scene drum. in this where a guy has a paper drum above his head. He gets kicked and yep. drops the paper drum on his own head, which is exactly it's right out of the stabilizer. Yes, yeah, it's 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 wild, man. This one this one has everything. You know, in short, I could keep going with the minutia and the fun little observations, but I don't know. I think this probably isn't as good a film as Enter the Ninja. Um, but it's to say I wouldn't say it's it's any less fun. If anything, it no. might be a little more fun. Yeah. It doesn't make it a better film. You know, I, I think they they up the ante uh, appropriately. Nice, nice. Well, let's get into America Breaks MVTs. I know Will's got to go, and we've been going about an hour and fifteen. So, Brad, we'll start with you. Unless yeah. you guys, unless you guys got anything else. No, uh, I, I have to apologize because last time I, I called it MVP because I'm a sports person. So MT well, MVT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say it's all the ninja weapons, right? Like it's gotta be, it's like all the cool stuff that, I mean, it's got ninja jacks that are the most deadly thing in the world. Apparently uh, blow darts, <laughs> a cool bow and arrow that shoots across so he can zip line across two buildings, which is very impractical. But anyway, all those cool weapons. Uh, I would say make or break was three minutes into this movie. It was the yes. little kid getting the ninja star to the cranium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, Stakes are high at that point. You know, yes, exactly. But you want to kill a kid. They really are. Yeah, they are. I mean, right. that, that, that is they're not fucking around. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. They don't, they, you know, this is a, uh, 
This is what's his name. This is what's his name from uh, JD's Revenge. We know he's not yeah. screwed around. She. And, and I know this movie didn't invent like the ninjas come and kill other ninjas families at the very <laughs> beginning of a movie, but that new Mortal Kombat literally stole this like opening Mortal scene. Kombat. Yeah. For so. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Well, th- this movie did start. I think the whole only ninja can stop a ninja thing. Yeah. Probably. That's right. Yeah. Arguably, you could say Enter the Ninja did that too, though. So. Yeah, that's true. I, you, I, think they, I feel like they put emphasis on the whole. I think they knew they. I think the they knew they had lightning in a bottle with Enter the Ninja, and I think this is just them cracking that bottle open. Is what that yeah. is. Yeah. What'd you say? Do you have a score? Uh, oh, I know. So last time Troy and I rocked the boat a little <laughs> bit with our scores, but uh, I'm going to do it again because this movie is a perfect ten for me. So nice. suck it. <laughs> you guys coming back hot? Back oh, there. Yeah, you guys coming hot, man? Dropping like porterhouses right. on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so MVT for me, I, I was, I was actually going to say, uh, Ken Kasugi because I, I really like what he does, but I, yeah, he's good. I got to go with Brad. It's it's the it's the myth of the of the ninja that really gets played up to an eleven in this film, and not just the weapons, but all the things that a ninja can do, like ninja hypnosis and ninja robot arms and ninja <laughs> mannequins and. Yeah. Um, all, all of this stuff, and I and I feel like it's an accumulation of all of the powers that were invented for the ninja in the '80s. I mean, this is a greatest hits of it. Yeah, so yeah. You, you get everything. I I think the weapons are amazing, like Brad said, but I think it's all the other stuff that all of a sudden a ninja can do. Um, and to me, that that's that's the MVT. Uh, the make or break moment. We haven't talked about this. <laughs> it's and it's the thing that I stopped the film and took a picture of and just. And just shared with everybody. But Keith Vitale and Shokasugi are like, oh, we got to get some information. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about this. That's right. So let's go to this playground where we see the village people with a, I swear to God, the village people, guy in a blue cowboy suit drinking a Miller Lite with, I don't know what you would call it, but it is. They're a very diverse, inclusive group, Troy. Yeah, if you say anything about the villains, they're, if anything is going on with, and I've always thought about this with Cobra too, with G.I. Joe. They're a very inclusive organization, and they yeah. got a bad rap for yeah. all the things that they did. But I really yeah. think they broke some barriers. Yeah, they're very progressive. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they're super progressive. Yeah, HR wise, they were on point. Yeah, and I, I think this uh, hench. <laughs> well, man, just an hiring process. Probably everything else yeah. is a mess. But you know, I mean, yeah. in, in, in goal was probably a little dodgy, but the hiring process, they were very good. Yeah, but this gang was fantastic. And then you get about five or ten minutes of Keith Vitale and Shokasugi kicking him in the face in the playground while these kids are watching. That's amazing. And and the kicks are fantastic. Like there's some really good martial arts on display there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, th- but that is, that's the make or break moment for me. Yeah. What was those conversations that evening with those kids back at home? Like mommy, what did we just see? Like, well, <laughs> Ma- the Jewish did- people got attacked by two karate <laughs> yeah. men. I love the YMCA. Why did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is. So that screen capture, for those who don't know and have listened to this show for 13 and a half years, one of the first screen captures that probably went up on the Facebook group was this gang, uh, maybe arguably the most GGTMC gang uh, there ever has been, because they, I mean, it's, it's just an impractical gang. They just, they look like the village people. They really do. Yeah. And it's it's amazing the the decisions here. It's just amazing. I can imagine a costume designer coming up to Sam Furstenberg and be like, "I got this. I got this. This is what all the bad kids are wearing nowadays." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. 
I, but that's the moment in the movie where I'm just, I fall in love with it. I, I really do. Yeah, um, I, I like everything up to that point, but as soon as that happens, you're like, okay, whatever, you know, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, like Brad said, we, we came in hot. I gave enter the ninja a 10. Yeah. Um, I do want to be a bit more critical and a b- bit more down to earth on, on this one and, and look at it from a more, okay. Film connoisseur lens. I, I think it's really a solid 9.75. Nice. Um, the only thing that really knocks it is that peaking that's, opera that's, choreography that yeah, goes on. That's still a very heavy score. Let me tell you. Well, no, no, it's not a ten. Yeah, I'm just saying you trimmed like one piece of fat off the porterhouse. If there. you look at it from a very critical martial arts historical eye, there, there was a little bit too many flippies and not enough choppies. So I think from that perspective, it, it's it lands at a nine seven five. It's not a ten. It's not. It's not as perfect as Enter the Ninja, but it's damn near close, man. Nice, nice. I like it. I like your justification for the 9.75. That's good. <laughs> Will, what are your thoughts, buddy? <laughs> uh, make or break the van scene, man. I could yeah. go with a lot of yeah, scenes. Yeah. There's a lot of fun scenes. The opening's wild. The the park scene's wild. Uh, the the sexual tension between show and and miss ferrera in the the dojo there's just so many great scenes but i gotta go with the van scene like it looked like someone could have legitimately died or lost a leg yeah uh busts in the window he's in close quarters just hammering dudes it's it's fun it's a very fun scene and it spices things up because you don't get a lot of like car chase brawls with ninjas right they go everyone on foot so yeah it feels like sam Furstenberg had seen police story in a weird way yeah, well, hey, listen, absolutely. That is a very Jackie-esque moment. It is. I, I mean, I, obviously, yeah, the stunt work's not as good. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not as, as good, but it's okay. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with the ninja aesthetic, the the mask, the weapons. Everything was on display in the first one, but I just feel like it it, it just kicks it up a notch. And and at the time, we didn't have superhero films, right? So yeah. in a way, all we have kids, was, uh, we had Superman. That's all we had. Yeah, but that's it. Ninjas were our superheroes. Yeah. Right? They could disappear a smoke bomb. They had cool weapons. They could fight. They could fly around. Um, ninjas were our superheroes. So that ninja aesthetic being put on us is the uh, MVT for me. My this one's a 7.5, um, maybe 7.75. I think it's as good probably as Enter. Uh, I'll go 7.5. Nah, yeah, 7.5. It's a good one. Fun one. Great party film. Yeah. All right. Um, make a break for me is the same. The van chase. I think it's great. I think it's a really good stunt sequence in the middle of this movie. It's not a ninja oh, yeah. sequence. Definitely not that. Um, but I think it works really well. And I think it's placed in just the right spot. Uh, you know, we go from El Camino to Dodge van to absolute insanity. And what looks like, uh, you know, two pork loins hanging out of, uh, Shokasugi's pants. <laughs> Uh, it's just, uh, it's amazing. And then he goes, I think he goes back to the home, uh, and he's got the pants still torn and everything. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but I like that sequence a lot. Uh, plus the bad guys, you know, you got Don Shanks, the whole fight sequence before that's really good too, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Shanks drops a box on his head from 30 feet up in <laughs> yeah. slow motion. It's incredible. I got to give this in seven, seven, five. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to be very generous to this movie as well because I, I so there's certain movies I've said this before. Halloween's a nostalgic favorite for me. Part of the reason why I always kind of say nostalgia kind of scares me is because sometimes I don't know how to rate things. 
Uh, my MVT will be. I'm gonna go with Kasugi on this one because to me, this is when I thought Shokasugi was a badass. Kasugi um, at the height of his powers. Yeah, that cup of coffee catch. Still, oh man, it's still it's still the moment. I mean, of course, I know it's all cinematic. Yeah. It's all it's all tricks in the editing, but you know, for me, it meant everything at the time. It's just yeah. how graceful he is about it. Uh, my score is going to lean high on this one too, uh, but it's not up where Troy and Brad are. But it isn't. I, the, I like this film more than Enter the Ninja. I do. I think this one's bonkers. Um, I think it's the right level of crazy. And like I said in the opening. It, in a lot of ways, it encapsulates exactly what Canon Films is all about, yep. which is pure entertainment, uh, no holds barred. They they just don't question anything they do. They just do it. And if you don't like it, cool. If you like it, though, you know what kind of fan you are. If you like this film, you you like a lot of Canon Films. <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's very accurate. It is, it is the bar in some ways. Uh, I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a 8.75. I think I, I might have yeah. given. Maybe I gave Enter the Ninja eight point seven five. Thought I thought you were in the eights on uh, Enter the Ninja. I'm gonna go nine. Let's go nine. That way I can seal the deal and say there I like this go. one more. There yeah. you go. I mean, I just think it's a lot of fun. It never bores me, uh, and it's it's a good time. And I think you're Troy's right when he said it's a great group watch. I think this might be like this is one of the and I if I recall me and my buddies growing up. I mean that this was one that was on repeat a lot for us. Uh, even if it was just on in the background, even if we weren't just actually watching it, you know, he kind of had that background movie on. This was on a lot. So this one, Invasion USA was on a lot. Missing in Action was on a lot, which is not really that action-packed for the record. So, no. Um, Missing Action. Yeah, Revenge of the Ninja. What a what a great film this is. Pick up that Blu-ray. You won't regret it. Probably $10 right now at Kino Lorber. All right, uh, Will. Do we know what we're doing next week? Do we want to do we want to put Chinese boxer out next week? We want to do that. Well, I think uh, apropos, probably yeah. right. Yeah. If, if there's ever a time to pull one out of the chamber, the thirty six chamber. Yeah, thirty six chamber. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Right? <laughs> yes, I think it's it's fitting, right? We just talked about Jimmy, and let's face it, in some roundabout way, um, this this house is loud. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like the uh, I like the little Italian comment in there. That's really good. Yeah, that's, that's I always want to get a T-shirt. We're not yelling. We're Italian. Uh, but it's it's fitting, right? This film may not have creeped over if not for people like Jimmy Wang Yu. Well, the there way. you go. There you go. That's a good, that's a good example. You're right. It's, true. it's very true. It's very true. It's I mean, think well. about the I'll aesthetic. Go. Well, just think about the aesthetic of Chinese boxer. It's a hyper violent movie. I mean that alone. Yeah, with Western sensibilities and cinematic techniques. Yeah. So we didn't mean for that to happen, but uh, we'll 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 put that out. We'll put that out. That'll be good. Everybody yep. will enjoy that. That that was a good review. Well, I don't know how long ago we recorded, but we had fun. Troy, Brad, what what do you got, guys? What what do you guys got going on? There we go. Uh, we're in the middle. I can't believe we're doing this actually, because Brad. Um, I think we talked about this. He he absolutely hates musicals. <laughs> And uh, he wanted he wanted to dip into uh, Bollywood, so he picked one, and I picked one, and um, we reached out to a good friend. I, I think he's programmed an episode for you guys, Josh Hurtado. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a friend of ours. Yep. So Josh is amazing, and and I just reached out to him and said, hey, uh, all of the movies that I find that come from Indian cinema, I I follow you at Screen Anarchy. So if you say you love it, 
Like he's been raving about RRR. So my son and I saw it and we fell in love with it too. But, but he's our go-to person for, I, I guess, you know, cinema that comes out of that part of the world. Yeah. And just, just on a, on a stretch, we're like, do you want to come back and, or come on the show and talk about one of these films? He's like, Hey, I'll talk about both of them. So nice. We just finished Saho, which was Brad's pick. And we're getting ready to do the man who could feel no pain, which Josh had wrote about in 2018 when he was at TIFF and covered for it. And I think he knows um, a lot of the principal uh, filmmakers and stuff for that. Sweet. So he's going to share all his stories about the making of that film. But uh, yeah, those are the, the the couple of episodes that that we've been doing. And um, I got to tell you, Saho, it, it's a lot of fun. Brad Brad picked it. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about the last couple of, what, 20, 30 minutes of that film, Brad? <laughs> I, was, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's jetpacks and bank robberies and yeah. trucks flipping cars. It's, you know, crazy. Yeah, it's it's a Bollywood film. I've never seen it, but I've seen clips from it, so I know it's, it's on going. Amazon Prime. A lot of this, a lot of these Bollywood films are on Amazon Prime and Netflix, so they got all the streaming rights. So right. they're pretty accessible now. Yeah, yep. that's a great thing. And yeah, Josh is a good folk. We uh, we know Josh quite well, and I'd imagine he'll probably be back on the show at some point. I know Will's been talking to him a little bit, so I tried to get oh, him yeah. on not too long ago. Actually, it was something, but he was busy writing something for uh, Arrow, I believe. So Josh is the real deal. Yeah, I was reading yeah. the uh, Wikipedia Wikipedia article on the man who felt no pain, and Josh is quoted in that, yeah, so yeah. it's pretty pretty yeah. surreal. Yeah, I'll say this: I won't watch about if I if there's a Bollywood film that comes across my radar, I'll see if Josh has seen it <laughs> before I'll that, watch. That's it. how I am, man. And I, <laughs> I, I it's ridiculous because uh, what's funny is I can't get my wife to watch it, and I showed her the trailer for the for the next one we were watching. It was the man feel no pain? My son's watched it a couple times now. And she's like, okay, I'll watch that one. And she watches it and she's like, wow, that was pretty good. I'm like, you got to trust in Josh. Just trust in, <laughs> trust Josh, in Josh. You're yeah. fine. Yeah. Says that on my $5 bill. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. That's awesome. I love your guys' show, as you know. Um, I'll be back on there. Hopefully, we'll get on there at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. We've, we talked. We've talked yep. 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 We got something picked out specifically for Will because we want to tap into his uh, his Asian knowledge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when He's you do Ninja Three: The Domination, we have to come back to finish the trilogy. They've done that. <laughs> We've done it. Oh yeah, that's right. You have. <laughs> so, Damn it. So they review. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't do it with you guys though. They call that a, yeah. They call yeah, the it the redomination. You need to do the redomination. I think if you guys haven't covered Dudikoff, I say it's American Ninja, man. Re, re, well, then there we go. Yeah. Re ninja. Re ninja. Re ninja. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you guys obviously have an open door with us. So anytime you want to come on, as long as it fits your schedule and whatever you got going on, clearly, you know, we we offered our friends that open door policy. So know that. And uh I'm sure we can work it out where you'll be back on <laughs> awesome thank you so but much it's been great it's been great having you on these last two weeks well, and, last. yeah you guys definitely well, we appreciate it you guys are awesome thanks for the support yeah the listeners check them out not a bomb podcast you can uh, hear them over at their website not a bomb podcast is not a bomb podcast.com that's it that is correct there yep. we go selling these guys and you can hear us every week baby and we'll be putting the chinese boxer out next week um yeah so that's all i got to say i will say adios adios son adios adios <laughs> thanks for listening you can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnight cinema at gmail.com mm-hmm.